This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're going to unpack what the governor's budget means for New York schools, and specifically districts in rural parts of the state. To do that, we're joined in the studio by David Little, executive director of the Rural Schools Association of New York State, which represents more than 300 of the state's school districts. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get to what the governor is proposing to spend on state education aid moving forward, tell me about the current situation for rural schools in New York. For example, are they doing well financially in light of the big boosts in federal and state funds that have been distributed since 2021? Or are they in sort of a challenging time right now? Yeah, not as well as you would hope, largely because the state of New York went through the Great Recession without coming up with any plan to try and save jobs or prevent what ended up being an outward migration of roughly a million people out of upstate New York during the last 13 years. Tough. Uh, It's the second largest outward migration in U.S. history, second only to the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression. And as people left and fewer and fewer people remain, I call it doing the hard work of staying. Um, Greater economic burden, greater tax burden on those who remain, fewer opportunities for people. And now, to add insult to injury, the, the governor wants to decrease state aid based on numbers. Now that, now that people have had to leave, now we're going to give you less money because you've got fewer people. Well, I want to unpack the governor's proposal, but but first, the increases that we've seen that have come in recent years, have they reached the rural school districts? Because often we hear that education funding is not necessarily the most equitable in terms of its distribution. So have rural schools gotten their piece of the pie as you see it? They've gotten a piece of the pie, certainly not what you would hope them to get. But the fact of the matter is that tremendous amount of money was invested in public education. If you'll recall back on the 11 a.m. press conferences that Andrew Cuomo had during the pandemic every day, he would talk about having his drop-dead scenario from the federal government if they gave us $5.9 billion in rescue aid. Then he says the best-case scenario was $15 billion in aid. And in fact, the federal government gave us more than the sum of both of those put together. So there was a lot of money that, that subsequently allowed the state to spend money on the things they wanted to using federal money and then divert money to actually fully fund foundation aid. That found its way to rural schools. Um, They were in fact fully funded as of last year and uh, were able to start to build back some of the things that had been prevented. We had many rural districts that were struggling to maintain the state mandated minimum curriculum. And they started to build back programs using that money. They also started to address things like student mental health needs that were pervasive during the pandemic. You know, for most people during the pandemic, you went outside and and played and you might play stickball or baseball or something where you could be socially distant. But for rural kids whose parents might have the car, they were in solitary confinement for a year and a half. And we've seen the learning loss and the student mental health needs that result from that kind of isolation. So a large amount of money has been used to put toward that. All of that seems to come crashing down in this new environment as the governor has taken the very first opportunity after the highest court in the state, the Court of Appeals, after they dropped the nicer court case, which was to um, force New York State to enforce the order that it had agreed to 
in providing full funding. As soon as they determined that the state had complied with that, the governor has now issued a plan to deconstruct that formula. Well, yeah, let's turn to the proposed budget from Governor Hochul. There's a lot of controversy in the education world over the so-called uh, hold harmless spending here. What is uh, the issue? Well, the issue is that under the current formula, while the rest of the world was talking about trying to update, renew the formula and add in factors that it doesn't currently have, student mental health is not in the formula, increased poverty that's happened over the last 23 years is not in the formula, it's still using the year 2000 census data in the formula. It significant accomplishment when it was first originated, but now we're a generation later, we have new needs for children. And so the idea of Save Harmless is you've gotten all of the money that you're supposed to get under that formula and, and maybe less. Perhaps you're getting more money than that formula would generate. But we understand that you still have needs. The idea is if you go from 24 kids in the fourth grade to 17, you still have to have a fourth grade. So your costs don't go down simply because you've lost a few kids. But this idea is that they would diminish the amount of money that you get based on the fact that you have fewer children. Safe Harmless says basically you're going to get the same thing this year that you got last year. This formula of what she's proposing would not only eliminate Safe Harmless, and, the, and if you think that that only applies to small rural schools, think again. It's truly half of the school districts in the state would lose money under this formula. And so the gains that we've made over the last couple of years would be wiped out. The other part of what they've done, really unconscionable in my view, is the formula is supposed to recognize the rate of inflation that school districts have to pay for things. The cost of gas goes up, the cost of liability insurance goes up, heating oil, all of those types of things. And the rate of that is 4.1%. And that was what was supposed to be fed into the formula in sending out state aid. The division of the budget and the governor have proposed that arbitrarily they would now take a 10-year average, drop out the high end and the low end, and take a middle figure that would be 2.4%. So you're cutting out 1.7% of what it actually costs school districts in costs, and you're saying, we'll give you a fraction of that instead of what it's actually going to cost you. So they're either passing those costs on to the local taxpayer or they're assuming that people will cut programs and services that they just got done funding with their full funding approach over the last couple of years. We're hopeful that the legislature, it being their signature achievement, after a generation of nobody living up to that court order and nobody doing full funding, this legislature just accomplished it over the past three years. We're hoping they don't want to deconstruct that now. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with David Little, Executive Director of the Rural Schools Association of New York State. So in talking about the state education aid proposal from the governor, you initially framed it as a cut. But the way the governor talks about it, and you know, rightly so, is that this is a $35.3 billion investment, which is $800 million more than what we've spent in the past, and about a $500 million increase as part of the foundation aid formula, which, is, as you mentioned, is the way that the bulk of state aid is distributed. So in the idea, though, that all this money is going up, 
are there districts that are not seeing increases? Are they actually seeing a drop in the total amount of state aid? Yeah, it is uh, for literally, well, no, not literally, because it's off by one. 337 districts in the state will get less money. 336 districts in the state will get slightly more money. The formula itself would generate what the regents had originally proposed, which is $1.3 billion. You figured in the inflation, and you figured in the keeping safe harmless and it was about a half a billion dollars less than the governor has proposed. It is an overall increase in total. But the fact of the matter is, the way it's applied is that half the districts lose money. It's always been the problem in the state of New York. We do, in fact, spend the most per child on average. But how we distribute that money has been ranked by Education Week magazine and Quality Counts. For the last 30 years, every single year, New York is ranked dead last in the nation in the way we distribute that money because it's all based on your zip code. We expect a large share of the money to be paid by local taxpayers, and then we base the state aid off of that. And so many, many districts, one more than half in the state, are going to get less money despite the fact that the total's going up. So this is not your first budget in Albany. So you are familiar with the budget dance that goes on here with the governor proposing one number, the legislature coming well over the top, and they traditionally settle somewhere in the middle. If that dance plays out the way it normally does, is there a number somewhere in the middle that you think can work for rural schools? Is the inevitable incremental increase that we're going to see from this governor's budget something that makes sense? Or is this starting place so problematic that uh, we really need to rethink the whole conversation? When I started uh, working for the legislature one month out of law school, I never imagined that 40 years later I'd still be hanging around the building. And, and I say that what I do now is penance for what I did as an employee here for 20 years. The problem with being older than the Capitol building is that I've seen this all before, many times. If Andrew Cuomo were still in office, we would have expected this kind of an approach from the outset. The reason this took us so much by surprise is that the governor is still taking credit for fully funding foundation aid and deconstructing it at the same time. Andrew Cuomo was masterful at making the legislature buy things back, Mm -hmm. whether it was literally buy them by assigning money from something else to put toward the things they wanted to pay for, or by supporting him in things he proposed that they might not otherwise want to support. And maybe that's what this governor is after. Maybe she wants help with her housing proposal, and so she's forcing the legislature to give their consent to that in order for her to consent to trying to get us back on track from an educational perspective. But this is a fairly inartful, blunt instrument that they've used. They claim that it's so that they can shift money to truly high-need districts, and yet there's no proposal in the formula to actually do that. This is simply trying to recapture a level of aid that, you're right, I have seen this before. It happens in virtually every administration, and my first one was the first Cuomo, Mario Cuomo, And in the middle of their tenure, their four-year cycle, typically a governor will cut state aid, recalibrate the level, knowing that they've got two or three years to raise it back up again so that people won't continue to be ticked off at them by the time they have to go to the polls again. The problem for the legislature is they have to go to the polls this fall. And their signature accomplishment is now in jeopardy. If you look to Long Island in particular... 
the New York State Senate has flipped majorities three different times based on what happens on Long Island, and those elections have been driven by the public perception that they were not getting enough state aid to restrain their local property taxes. Well, the governor has set up the legislature for that circumstance again. Very odd, given the fact that she now leads the party that, that is the majority in both houses of the legislature. So we're hoping that they will quickly reject that and we can get back to doing the hard work of trying to figure out what does the state's constitutional obligation to provide a sound basic education to every child, what does that mean in 2024? And how do we provide that knowing the kinds of issues that we have, the school shootings and the need for security and student mental health and under our current formula, you not only have to be more impoverished to get more money, you have to be more impoverished than your neighbors. If everybody becomes more impoverished, you comparatively haven't gotten any worse off, and so you don't get any more money. We've got to try and figure out how to go forward in a way that sustains this, because a child's education builds on itself. You know, you can't take Algebra 2 until you've taken Algebra 1 right? So it, it looks like a, like a handicap ramp. You can't fund it like an EKG chart where you put a program in place one year and take it away the next. Is there a dollar amount you have in mind either for a total state aid amount or for what the increase to foundation aid should be? Yeah, and it's really simple. The, the regents proposed an incredibly rational approach, which was we, we know that these districts are on Save Harmless, We'll simply continue Save Harmless. That only costs about $120 million. We'll keep the inflationary rate the same as it's always been in the formula. We'll use last year's rate, as we always have. That would generate $300 million. And where we come out is $1.3 billion as an increase, which is an inflationary increase. Um, otherwise, you're talking about the total impact, although, again, it's the haves will have and the have-nots won't under this formula, half and half. Um, otherwise, you're going to have truly winners and losers in this as opposed to um, the rhetoric that we've heard for three years now with this governor that all means all, that all children in New York should have opportunities. Well, we've been speaking with David Little. He is the executive director for the Rural Schools Association of New York State. David, thanks for visiting us at the Capitol. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.